We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. Mike is in transit on what I think is a big road trip. I think this is a, an opportunity to find our, our identity, D. I think it's a, a, a place where things could go very sideways over the next few games as well. Do you agree with the premise in the first place that this is a big road trip, or is this just another five games on the schedule to you? doesn't matter if I agree. The head coach, <laughs> sure. I'm just saying, like, there's plenty of times where we bloviate about whatever, right? And and we are very forceful with our thoughts about what we think the team we should are good or should not be doing, yes. right? <laughs> But the head coach said it. Yeah. He is putting stock in to this trip. The head coach said he thinks this is going to be good for them. So there is a certain amount of speaking into existence, maybe, right, that Frank Vogel is doing here. Um, He clearly wants the best for his team. He clearly wants to win these games. It's got to be super frustrating for him. The Lakers under Frank Vogel, especially the championship season, they were an excellent road team. Last year, last season, I should say, last year. (laughs) What's a year these days, Pete? Last season, all the road trip stuff was just wonky, right? Empty arenas, COVID protocols, like testing multiple times a day. This year should feel a little bit more like normal. Mike is actually out there with them, which didn't happen I don't think last year at all until the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So getting back some of that juice hopefully is helpful. Hopefully it is this idea of building more positive habits. Getting LeBron back should help. But there is a that transition stuff that we were talking last pod, right? Like the metamorphosis of the team and the changing and the coming together. All of that stuff is still true. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking you agree with the idea that this is an important trip. Mm -hmm. How do you couch the importance of this trip? 
What does success within the context of it being important look like? Is it wins and losses? Is it process? Like, what's that look like to you? I want to see us look more and more like a running team. That is the most specific hope and observation that I think that that is who we are at our nature. I think it remains to be seen if we are a, will be a good enough running team and good enough at the style change that we've been talking about and that metamorphosis that we're going through. At the end of it, I don't know if, again, there's uh, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. All I know is that that's the type of team, that's the identity of this roster. And so making strides toward that is super important to me on this trip. And we're Part of part of that is being caught in the middle of the two styles. I was thinking today, like one of the things with as we've moved AD, AD to the five is that we're still pretty slow at a few different positions, right? And a big part of that, the majority of that, is because of who's out. But when you think of it, just put basketball aside, D, and just talk about all every guy on the team is lined up on the baseline, and it's a foot race, and there's a million dollars at the end of the other side of the court. Whoever gets there first, and then there's a prize for second place, third place, etc. Everybody's motivated to run as fast as they can. In some ways, in my mind, the rotation should be the top nine guys that would finish first in that, with the exception of can you shoot the crap out of the ball? So that's Ellington and Mello as well. But there are different types of, and so one of the players I'm thinking of in this context is Avery Bradley. And Bradley has done really well in, again, we signed him as the 15th guy, as a placeholder, as we were down a ton of injuries. And he is so familiar with Vogel's system and he's Vogel's type of guard defensively that he can ball pressure. And when we were starting DJ, the whole scheme that it's involved in that in funneling two bigs and and playing a two big lineup, Avery is a a good guard compliment for that. He's not a run and gun guard. And as we go through this transition, him playing Rondo playing, Dwight playing, Mello playing, Wayne playing, all those guys in the foot race that I'm talking about, the hypothetical foot race, they don't come in probably in the top half of the team. And most of that is because we don't have too many other guys to go to. But when you look at the data, one guy that's stood out to me is Malik Monk. Malik Monk has a lot of positive lineups around the Lakers relative to other guys. I think part of that is just because he can run. He's really fast. He would be one of the first guys in that theoretical foot race. And so so when you ask for me what's big about this road trip, stepping into our our identity as a running team, especially as LeBron comes back, he's so important within that. But there are other aspects of that, too, that making strides as a transition team, and that may be wild, that may be, mean 20, 25 turnover nights, but it's really who we are. And I, like making progress on that, I think we can pick up a couple of wins within that, but that's where I'm at. What do you think about that idea of transitioning into a transition team yeah, more so than we are? I think you're speaking Russell Westbrook's language with that. You know, the other night he had mentioned, this was maybe two or three games ago, and he had mentioned about the team going small. Like he had, I, I think he got asked a question about the team playing smaller. And he said, I thought we still played too slow. Yeah. And you can't be small and slow. That's a really bad combination. The Lakers, when they were at their best, they were a selective running team. But they had a bunch of guys who could actually go out there and run, right? And so one of the only guys, so Dwight has maybe, what, 150 more games on his legs since when he was, Mm -hmm. since when he started the 2019-20 season. 
in right? quick turnarounds too, right? It's yes. not even normal off seasons. And so Dwight and Danny Green, Green were probably the only two players that were in the championship team rotation that played heavy minutes that couldn't actually get out there and bust it out and get loose, right? Even Rondo could do that. Mm-hmm. And he's a great pace pusher, right? Yes. So this team, though, is way less explosive than that team. That team had KCP, it had Kyle Kuzma, it had all of these guys who were actually playing. Now, we'll see what this team looks like when all of their guys are healthy, but the guys who are available right now, they're not that. And you talk about speed up and down the court. One of the things that I look for is tempo. It's the quickness in which you're actually operating and moving through your progressions and the idea of how how quickly are you accelerating through your actions. A team that plays with great tempo is like the Warriors. Now, they're up there in pace too, right? But people often convolute those two ideas and they combine them, right? And sometimes they are the same thing, but other times they're not. If the Lakers were walking the ball up in the half court, right? Because they took the ball out of the basket or it's an ATO or there's any one of these situations where they're not able to sprint and change ends. There is still a certain amount of verve that they need to play with in the half court in order to animate their offensive sets. And they're not doing that enough for my liking, right? And so while you're looking at the transition stuff, which I think is super important, I'm looking at how quickly are you actually doing things within the stuff you want to execute? Because that's how you gain it. Because that's how you gain advantage, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And the Lakers aren't always going to be a team that can run, 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 run. But what they can do is show a little bit more urgency in the things that they're trying to execute, because I think that's super important as well for creating the type of advantage that they need in order to be better on offense. Because I think that's what we're talking about here is being better on offense. It it is. And what you're describing with tempo is step two to step one, the step one that I was describing, because we're not going to be able to we could try to run every single possession and the, the defense is out there too. They're going to be looking to take that away, right? That's we're never going to run more than twenty five, even thirty. You know, twenty five is super high. Twenty five percent of your possessions in transition. But what the part that I'm talking about, where what I'm saying links with what you're saying, is your early transition offense principles, your early offense principles, not not your running game necessarily, but how quickly do you get into your action? And this is where, you know, pistol and drag screens and, you know, delays. And there are different, you know, wide pin downs for a shooter in the corner type of thing where you are in an attack spot where somebody is in a place that is capable of scoring if you execute the play well with 18 seconds left on the shot clock, right? We, the opponent scored and we inbound the ball to Russ and AD is setting a wide pin down screen for Wayne Ellington coming off of it. And Russ is showing is throwing one of those really high velocity two handed chest passes that's right on the money. And you got AD roll into the hoop and there's 18 seconds left off of a pistol action or a wide pin down or something like that. Right. And so these those early offense principles, the ability like whatever we do, D, I think it needs to be quick. And if like that attack, need, we, we need to not be even flirting with 24 second clock violations. And so like, 
how quickly plays develop and that that's the tempo that I think of in terms of like being better on offense. Is that is that aligned with with where you're going with with what you were saying? It is. And, and so this is a great point And I want to keep hitting that. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into that a little bit more. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out in transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. So, Pete, let's keep hitting that idea about early offense stuff, because I think that this is an area where the Lakers need to be able to thrive offensively. No team is going to be all transition, and the Lakers are never going to be, I don't think, really, a superior half-court execution team, right? Like, I just don't think they have the right ingredients for that. Now, People can snipe back at me and and then the the people who are just like, oh, well, that's the LeBron and Russ fit and this, this, that and the other. No, like it's more just like even before Russ, even before Russ, the Lakers relied on LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are rim hunting players whose weakest part of their games is their jump shooting. That is already going to be a signifier to the defense of. The thing we want to take away is this, getting Russell Westbrook only, that's like throwing gas on the fire in terms of what the defensive approach is going going to be. And the team is just going to deal with the types of defensive approaches and, and, and switching and double team actions that a lot of other teams do not deal with strictly based off of who their personnel is. Right. They, defenses are deciding to protect the paint at all costs because of our personnel. You could even throw THT into that. You can. I would also say, too, that LeBron and AD, a healthy part of their offensive success comes out of the post. It's just who they are as players, right? Yes. And so I know you'd like to post up less 
And I agree that posting up less is a good idea. I also think you are never going to eliminate the post up. We should no, when should you be. have when it's you important. have AD and LeBron, right? That's and, right. And, and I know you're not advocating for that, but I just want to speak that point out there and it, make sure that we're all on there. the same page, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be certain challenges you're going to face in the half court, regardless, irrespective. Your three main stars are all jump shooting is not their strength to varying degrees. So what's a way to optimize them in half court situations then when that's the case and it's to play earlier in the clock and to get into the half court action sooner when the defense is not yet set, right? And, and so those, those drag screen actions and pistol actions, and I even think like delay into dribble handoff stuff, all kinds of things that you can run. Those are going to be even more important. And that stuff, honestly, where I feel I feel like some of that stuff was emphasized more last season, it seems like, than even this season. And so I'd like to see them get back to some of that stuff because I feel like when it was Marcus All, it was just like, oh, delay, delay, delay action. Like we love it. We love it. Right. But where's some of that stuff now? They can still run that stuff, right? They can play through Carmelo trailing at the top of the key or Anthony Davis or even Dwight Howard. He can be the trail guy on some of these actions. He can dribble into a handoff or a quick side pick and roll with THT or even Wayne Ellington coming off of that in order to shoot similar actions that like the heat run for Duncan Robinson. Right. And so is there anything that you had specifically in mind outside or even inside the stuff that I was talking about that that you'd like to see more of with this? For me, it's more personnel. I think that the other element of having your three stars or a way to counter it, of having your three stars as all being jump shots, not the strength of their game, is to put somebody out there who provides counter gravity. I think that like in some way, when you've got Russ, AD and LeBron, who will be coming back on this road trip, I, you know, knock on wood, uh, you're putting from a jump shooting perspective, from a how much do I have to guard the perimeter perspective on, on from the defense's eyes, you're putting three fingers on the scale in one direction. Yeah. And so alleviating that, like, if you don't guard Wayne Ellington, we've already seen this as Laker fans, and if you, if you don't guard him, if you don't have a hand in his face, he's going to kick your ass as a jump shooter. And so having... Like you can push pace, you can get into your early offense, you can be more precise about all of those things and more intentional. I also think that personnel is super important, especially if like THT is going to start right now. I totally get why THT is going to start, but THT is also another, if I'm going to guard THT for the drive or the jump shot, very easy decision for me defensively. Yeah. And so if that continues, when LeBron comes back, if he continues to start, it's even more the reason, because then we're not getting the benefit of the spacing and AD at the five, right? Like, I think there's probably a conversation to be had that even if THT is phenomenal in this role, should he start? There are good arguments for both, and we'll, we'll get to that, you know, down the road. But... Let's refocus now, D, on just this road trip coming up, aside from what we want to be, and look at the opponents. First two games, we've got Milwaukee tonight, then the Celtics on Friday. Got a report from Woj yesterday that hopefully LeBron returns that game. When I look at those two teams, we've got the return of Chris Middleton this evening. Middleton and Giannis, Tatum and Brown, we're going through a little wing gauntlet for these first two games. What 
Is Brown going to play? I I just want oh, to point right. that out because he's got a hamstring issue. Thank you. No, that's right. Brown's supposed to be out, but they are the Celtics are a wing ish, yes. wing sized team. Even a guy like Marcus Smart is not a offensive threat in that same way, but they are very wing centric in 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 that way. So I think that there is something to learn about the Lakers over these next two games. We're pretty size deficient at that spot right now. Although THT's return. Uh, is important. And so he's a guy that I'll be looking at on over these next two games on how well does he guard a Jason Tatum when he's assigned to him, a Chris Middleton, you know, things like that. I think he's going to start on Middleton. I think he has to. I think like the interesting thing for me is the defensive load that is going, that you're going to have on the wing and how much, how much load does Anthony Davis have to carry with that? How much load does LeBron have to carry with that? And how much load does THT have have to carry? And what are their resp- what's their respective effectiveness with this? The Bulls were a perfect example of how the Lakers simply do not have enough on the wing when the other team has a lot. The Lakers would have needed LeBron, THT, yeah. and Ariza. And they probably still would have been like, oh, man, we could use one more one more dude out here. Right. And so, like, they had to start with A.D. on DeRozan, which I had sort of predicted in my game preview because he has defended DeRozan some in the past. But then it was just like, OK, well, who do you have on Levine and who's guarding Lonzo even? Right. And, that and idea- how do you navigate screens? Right. Like we switched mellow onto him a lot and they were like, OK, we'll take that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, and that's the thing is that if you're going to play with AD at the five, one of the benefits of that is being able to switch. And so but if you switch more, then the other team starts to say, OK, well, who's the best guy to switch on to the guy that we want defending him? And it's why AD rarely finished possessions on DeRozan as much as he started them. And it's one of the reasons why DeRozan had 30 something points. Like it was like, okay, well, yeah, guess what? Now he's on mellow. Now he's on this other guy. Now he's on Wayne Ellington. And it's just like, oh, well, damn it. That's not what we wanted. Really? Sure. Right. And there's some vulnerability around the boards when you switch AD right now, especially with, with LeBron out and, and Ariza out. Right. So yeah, it's, not a lot of good answers. They are not defensively, but this is a part of coming together as a team too, right? Like that relearning of how you need to play and what your responsibilities are. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of things that you're going to, because Vogel's not going to change up entirely. Some of these guards are going to have low man responsibility and they need to know what that means. Some of these guards are going to have to hedge and recover in screen and roll situations. Some of them are going to have to, I don't want to say play and drop, but they're going to have to shock at the level of the ball, like if teams they are going to target a Malik Monk or Wayne Ellington for different reasons, size or foot speed. And you got to know how to at least within the team concept, like when a team targets a, one of our players defensive weaknesses, there has to be a contingency for, hey, when they're isolating Malik Monk on a pick and roll hedge, they have their guys set a go screen. We're going to switch that or we're going to defend it this way. Right. Like you have to have when you have those guys on the court, you have to have uh, like coming together is how do we cover for that? No, that's right. And so when I'm looking at these next two games specifically, it's to me, the importance of of Anthony Davis is just so high. Right. And I feel like he's being I don't want to say nitpicked, but he is a little bit like where he needs to do so much right now. And on and in many possessions, he's doing that. 
And then even when there are other failures, it's just like the Lakers still lose that possession. I I think it can start to be disheartening when you do a lot of things right and you still fail. Yes. I think there's been a lot of that this season. I Yeah, I have my thoughts on reasons why. But yeah, there's been a lot of that this year. Well, I saw Avery Bradley in the last game, right? Like he ended up, I think it was a play between um, Levine and DeRozan and... AD ended, or Bradley, anyway, Bradley ended up guarding AD's guy, and he was, like, fighting in the post and trying to keep his guy out, and then Levine is out there sort of, like, dancing with the ball, and AD is on him, and it's on the right wing, and you feel okay. AD's out there. He's on Levine. Levine takes a sidestep dribble to his left. He elevates in that only Zach Levine jumps this high on his jumper, his jumper. way, yeah. right? Yeah. And he buries <laughs> another three, and Avery Bradley, for reals, like, his head his head couldn't have sunk any lower yeah. than it did. His body language went from, like, we got what we wanted here, a sidestep three from a perimeter player Contested over Anthony, by Anthony Davis, Davis, right? And, and then they it still goes scored. In. Yeah, and, and those are dispiriting plays. You do a lot of things right and you still fail. And so AD is going to need like the whole team, but AD especially, I think he's going to need to fight through some of that and keep playing to the level in which he's mostly been, been playing at. And in some ways, he's going to have to even play high, to a higher level. I'd love to get your thoughts on that idea, too. Yeah, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more AD. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think the Milwaukee games and Boston games pose different challenges for AD in particular with Milwaukee getting healthier, they're still without Brooke Lopez and DiVincenzo obviously is in back as well, but they're still a really big team. Like Drew is a power guard and he's not somebody that Russ is going to be able to put a shoulder into and send him flying and get to the to the rim, right? And with Giannis and, and even Middleton and Portis, Portis has been starting in place of Lopez, AD's gonna be responsible for being a big, an actual five, right? Like a, in in a more conventional sense and for so much of our size and guys like THT and Russ and 
everyone who has a strength advantage in the absence of LeBron is going to have to chip in to contribute to that. Boston is is a different challenge, right? Like they've got they've got Horford and and Robert Williams, who are two very different types of big, but they are they are. Horford in particular, uh, an old converted power forward that is these days a five, right? Whereas Boston with, or whereas, excuse me, whereas Milwaukee with Giannis in particular is such a force around the rim that Anthony Davis has to be there too. So I think things loosen up later in the trip that and ways that are more advantageous for AD. But early on in this trip in particular, we need AD to hold it down as a big versus Milwaukee and then dominate as a big versus Boston is how I see it. Yeah, and his matchup with Giannis is a super interesting one. In the past matchups where the Lakers have beaten the Bucks, like AD has been the reliable starter who goes seven and two thirds of an inning, and then LeBron comes in and gets you four outs yeah, to I win the that. game at the end against Giannis, right? Where it's just like, okay, well, I have my big dog here, hold you down, or as best as he could. For, for a while and give you all of these defensive these different de- defensive looks. And then LeBron is closed on Giannis a lot defensively. And they don't have that luxury this time. And I wonder how it's going to look if AD has to go the distance on him because he's really the only option, right? Like it would be one thing, honestly, if it was Dwight from two years ago where it might sure. be like, oh, you've got a little bit more wheels to you or there was a JaVale option, Right. To sort of be like, we're just going to throw some size at you. Right. Like it may not work, but at least this dude's seven feet and is long and can do some things. But AD's going to have to go the whole distance against Giannis. And I'll be super interested. Giannis is playing like the best player in the world, like him and KD and Steph. They're all sort of in that conversation. But Giannis does it with a certain physicality that those other players just don't have. There's a level of physicality to Milwaukee in general. I will be. I'm worried about tonight's game getting ugly, to be quite frank with you. I think that the combination of their attacking on the rim and our inability to protect it, um, like this is a game where we have to run. They haven't defend. I don't know. I'm a little, especially with Middleton's return, there are a lot of factors in place that could, Milwaukee could use a good night, if you know what I mean. They could and use a good night. The there's Lakers a lot of could ingredients use, there. The yeah. Lakers could use a good night too. And look, like I'm ready for a big Anthony Davis game. I'm ready for a big Russell Westbrook game. Yeah. Like, I'm ready for THT to be on national TV and sort of say, like, hey, yeah, look, I got some of this, too, in my game. Like, I'm not ready to fold, basically, personally. No, right? And so I'm, I'm I, not saying that. I'm just saying that the factors are, like, especially we're going to have to be able to shoot. Milwaukee's going to protect the paint at all costs. Yes, they are. And THT, that's what THT does. That's what Russell Westbrook does. So we're going to have to be able to shoot the ball from the perimeter to loosen that up. And so I'll be very interested to see, you know who's a big player in this game is Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. He's been a little quiet. We've talked about his legs probably being Im- impacted by this recent stretch of games. Um, would be n- nice to have Staples Mello out in Milwaukee and have him have one of those, oh, four for six or four for seven nights from three, get a little spin out post up for a layup right as AD spaces to the corner couple of things to get get him going a little bit and it could would be nice too to like ellington monk and mellow to me are sort of the yeah the three same. guys who are super important 
for that to bring it back full circle for some of that Lakers offensive success that you were talking about, right? Like there's a baseline level that I think we need to expect from Anthony Davis. And there's a certain amount of verve and pace and force that you anticipate Russ playing with for good and for bad. Yes. Right. But it's those three off who are mainly offense only role player guys. Those are the guys who you need to sort of say, all right, can two of you have a good night? Because if two of them do, the Lakers usually win on those nights with or without LeBron. Right. And, and so I'll be very interested to see how those guys play. Um, Melo's probably going to be matched up with Bobby Portis. That would be a matchup that you think would favor Portis in certain ways. But Melo is a prideful scoring dude right and sure so, and Melo can hold his own in the post too like part of Portis's success is uh, he's got a degree of physicality while still being able to pop out but that describes Carmelo Anthony too so in in some ways like he's obviously a better athlete than Melo at this point but Melo can at least he's not going to lose the strength battle there no that's right and, and so I'm more cautiously optimistic about tonight's game if it got out of hand, that wouldn't surprise me by any sure. means because I haven't predicted the Lakers to win any of these games while LeBron's been been out. But this is another time where the Lakers are coming off of a bad loss and they've rebounded fairly well in a lot of these where their approach seems to sharpen at times. And so, and again, we, we opened the pod this way, but the head coach is sort of, feeling the vibes of this is what we need to do. This is important for us. Mm -hmm. And so that idea, I think of, I hope to see a synergy from this team in terms of preparation and focus and execution. And I those like are the things that matter for winning in general. But I think that's especially true for this Lakers team. Um, they've been down so many guys and starting out the road trip with a good win would be so impactful i think for for this group and so i'm holding out some hope that it comes together for them tonight that's certainly been the case right where they've bounced back and there's only so many times you can go to that well though right and who's to say when that's going to be and it's not a a permanent state but we've bounced back from those games and then a game or two later had another game that we need to bounce back from right yeah. and at some point the ball stops stops bouncing and stops right and so that your point, though, about the synergy of of execution and preparation and like I want us to look organized if we are the lesser team, especially in a game like this game against Milwaukee, if we're we're the lesser team, I can live with that. I want us to do what we do well and start really finding more of what we do well, what guys play well together, continue playing them, what what actions work. Right. And that that exploration is a big part of this road trip's process even where wins may not come right and yeah. that's to say i and i'm obviously having a more pessimistic point of view toward tonight's game against milwaukee i think that but let's let's shift our attention toward the back half of yeah. the road trip the let's last three games we've got detroit and then the Knicks and Pacers on a back-to-back. So that's a three-game and four-night stretch where I think that Pacer game in particular is the last game of a five-game road trip. Like, the Pacers are an easy team to be like, oh, we should be fine. I think they've beaten us every time that we've that we played them uh, on the road, with the exception of last year when we finally had everybody back and they were just playing out the string, you know, for, for the play-in game. So anyhow, 
what, what's your thought on those games? We've got a struggling, bad Detroit team to start it out with. Uh, the Knicks are not playing particularly well. They're just over 500 themselves, then wrapping up with, with Indiana. That's an important stretch, man. Assuming LeBron is back and he plays in all of those games, I, I, I mean, I think the Lakers need to feel like two and one is the seller for yeah. that. Two and one or three and oh in that. Yeah. Yeah, like ideally they go three and oh. It's weird to sort of be counting on wins or like feel like games are important at this Especially stage right after season. you said I'm not expecting them to win any of these games with That's LeBron right. out. But Braun's about to be back in theory. And while I don't expect that to be some magical elixir where every oh everything looks great now, LeBron James is back. He It's pretty if, magical. <laughs> if if you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell yeah. Westbrook together and yeah. you're able to stagger your rotations a certain way, like and you've removed some of the dead weight from the lineups that were struggling, mm-hmm. right? And so if DeAndre Jordan's not playing and Rajon Rondo's not playing and you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook back, you should be able to find enough lineups that work yes, together to yes. win. Like if you play, if you deploy five main lineups over the course of a game, right? And that's a LeBron, AD, and Russ base lineup, a LeBron and AD lineup, a Russ and AD lineup, and a Russ and LeBron base lineup. Those are four yep. lineups. Th- those are that's four right. core lineups right there. And then I honestly think that there is another LeBron Dwight lineup with neither of those other two on the court where it's just like, oh, LeBron and Dwight, they have some good synergy together and, and have ever since the time that they've that that Dwight came back the first time. Those are basically your five core groups. I feel like if you can win the minutes in three of those five, you should win the game. Because none of those other two groups should be so bad that they put you under. That's right. And that's happened a lot so far. It has. But so many of those groups where it's just like, oh, the those early LeBron Russ AD groups, they also had DeAndre Jordan in them. (sighs) Right. Some of those AD Russ lineups. Also Rajon Rajon Rondo Rondo in them. Right. Right. And so if you remove some of those guys from those lineups those lineups start to be more successful right now the data is small the sample size is small but we're about to see what those groups are capable of that's right and that's where i'm at d for the second half of the road trip and after lebron's return now that tht is back with lebron returning the oh it's injuries portion of it no that goes out the window that goes out the window we have enough guys now once lebron comes back there are with lebron currently out because he's a mid-30s player there are so many guys or so many combinations where it's like we're slow because we have to play rondo and Melo and dwight right and and so he takes a lot of that away well also too he's not only your starting power forward he's your backup point guard Yes. Right? Yes. And so there is no one player, but like I said, you need to replace LeBron with two players. And the Lakers, because of their health situation, currently don't have two players. That's right. And so that's that's the difference here. Like, in a perfect world, I would love to get LeBron and Reeves back at the same time. Sure. And then it would oh, and, be like, 
by or none. Oh, right. Yes. Let's, right. Let's get to it. Yes. Right. And so, but, but but once LeBron comes back, like we have enough. We still have issues with speed. There's going to be some. It's not going to be entirely pretty, nor our our full group. Right. But it like the injury thing go, starts to go out the window. So I was just going to ask you because I honestly don't think that this deserves more than a minute or a minute and a half. But Lakers news. They waived Sekou Demboya. Oh, yeah. Thank you for bringing this up. And they reacquired or they converted Shondi Brown back into a two-way deal. I know there were a lot of people that were advocating for Brown to maybe get a two-way deal at the beginning of the season, right? Especially when they converted Austin's contract to a regular contract. So quick thoughts on bringing Brown back and do you see him having a role? I know he's not on the road trip, right? Well, right now, but long term, what do you think about this move? Give me your 90 second elevator thing right now. I'm really happy that Shondi's back. I actually think he should be on the road trip. I would throw him into the rotation right away because we need guys that can run around and have a little bit of size. That's the similarity between Siku and uh, and Shondi, right, is that they are physical. They play different positions. One's a, a, a smaller forward in Shondi, and, and Siku's a 4-5 type of guy. But that ability to run around and be physical and have a constant motor, that's the thing I'm most excited about with him, that I think that we need just guys who can run. It sounds yeah. so simple, but it's such a foundational thing to a transition team in particular that just guys that can run, man, like that's it's really important. That really stood out against the Bulls to me is that they came in waves. So it's like, oh, there's Derek Jones. They're like, so oh, fast. there's yeah. this guy. There's that guy. It's just like everyone seemed to be able to run and jump. And the Lakers seemed stuck in mud at times. Yep. And a lot of that was legs, uh, yada, yada, yada. Right. But it's just like, I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on that anymore. I, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Shondi coming back two way deal. I'll be interested to see if he gets some burn. The impetus seemed to be that Seku has a hurt foot and that he mm -hmm. wasn't really available to play. And so they brought in Brown seemingly because the injury stuff is out there, which honestly, look, if they need it, that tells me maybe Ariza's not as close. Maybe Kendrick Nunn is not as close and they're anticipating and maybe even Reeves isn't as close. And that idea of an extra body would be super useful. To this team, someone who could actually play if they need to. And so, but I like Brown. I liked him I during the preseason. He is a nice young player who goes hard and the Lakers need more of those guys, in my opinion. Very much so. Very much so. So, all right, we got a Milwaukee tonight. We'll be back tomorrow to break it down. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen! Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over.
five. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.